With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Looking forward to the conversation. Tim Jenkins, quarterback trainer and film analyst. We've talked to him for years, does a great job. He tutors quarterbacks. He's got his academy, the Jenkins Elite, all over the country California, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Kansas City, Texas. You can check him out on YouTube, all things QB. As we say hi on Sharp Money to Mr. Jenkins and Tim, I don't know if you can tell the anecdote, but you and your family live in Colorado, and I know a lot of the contractors and those working on your house want to know about a specific quarterback that goes by the moniker Mr. Unlimited. That would be Russell Wilson. You've done a deep dive on the Broncos quarterback. What have you seen? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we are. We're remodeling a place and, uh, Every trade that's been in there so far, whether it's a frame or a bump, Russell's going to be any good. So that's, uh, that's what I do every day now is talk through that. But, listen, I think when you look at what Sean Payton does, and, and, I, and I hate saying this because I'm not implying that Russell's all the way at where Drew was at the end of his career, but I do think if you're a Broncos fan, your little bit of hope is that, listen, Sean's seen this before, right? A guy in the league who's been successful, and then his physical gifts start to diminish, right, as they get older. And he was able to make it work for a really long time with Drew Brees when all Drew could really do is quick game, right? Like, we remember watching him try to drive the ball against Tampa, you know, that last game, right, that ended up being like, in his career. And it's just kind of, you know, I don't want to be a jerk, but it's kind of sad, right, because we all remember who Drew was, and then it's like, Things were just falling apart, but they still had successful offenses. So I think, one, Sean's the perfect guy to fix it. The other thing that I think is going to really play to Russell is, and I hate comparing a $100 million quarterback to Taysom Hill, but the Taysom Hill package without the true quarterback run, right? When you look at it from the RPO package, you look at it, some of the run-to-run options, there's some stuff that can really help this Broncos offense on early down and distance. Where I think this Broncos offense struggled last year when I watched the tape was it just seemed like their drive starters were brutal, right? Like that first, you know, we always call it P and 10, right? Possession and 10, we just got the ball. It's our first first down. They just never seem to have their feet really moving forward, right? And, psych- you know, psychologically, when that huddle moves forward, even if it's four yards, right, the second and six. It's meaningful. So I think those kind of, you know, P and 10 kind of plays, those, those, those drive starters, I think with Sean sprinkling a little bit of that RPO, that run-to-run stuff that they did with Taysom, can be really successful for this Broncos offense. And then I also think, like, sometimes we forget the, you know, the mind games of the NFL. Tim Jenkins, we'll try to find a sell there. We'll put him on hold for just a second. He's going, and, and I love the start with the comp to Drew Brees and yeah. what Peyton has in front of him all because I, I don't know about you, but okay. And we'll bring back in Tim, Tim, go ahead and pick up your thoughts. We were talking Russell Wilson. Sorry. I, yeah, I don't know where I dropped you, but I, I, I think okay. for me, the thing is too, is that you sit there and you go like, Hey, they've got the Taysom Hill package, right? That, that Sean did in new Orleans that can be really successful with Russell and this, and this Broncos offense. 
to kind of get these guys going, especially on some of those drive starter scenarios where it's like, hey, we can get the offense moving forward, and then you're going to make the coordinator prep for all those RPOs and run-to-run options, um, and they're going to have to spend a whole day on it. And really, if all you do is do it twice a week, right, it's not a big deal to you, but to that D coordinator, it's a big deal. Tim, I want to go a little bit northwest of Denver, go to the collegiate level with Colorado. I understand you broke down Shadur Sanders. I have not heard much about him. I have not seen him play at Jackson State. Give me your assessment of him and how he translates into the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, I think it's exciting. I I think when you turn Shador's tape on, man, he is a super talented kid. What jumps off the film, though, is what Jackson State faced last year from a defensive design perspective was not highly complex, right? So, hey, you see two high safeties, you're getting two high safeties, right? And it's not a knock on those defenses, but I just think, like, there were some really good athletes in that conference, and at the end of the day, if, if you don't have to disguise it to win, why would you, right? Why complicate it? However, when you get to the Pac-12, it ain't like that, right? you got good athletes, and then guess what? They're also going to disguise it, right? They're going to give you two, and they're going to snap down to three. They're going to you know, try to trap you in some man coverage looks. So I think that's going to be his biggest adjustment. What I will say, if you're a CU fan, the exciting thing to counter that, right, is there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for him. But they went and they got that coach from Akron, right? And he runs a lightning fast, no huddle offense. So when you do stuff like that, you kind of force a defensive coordinator's hand to simplify, right? Because if you're going super fast, they don't have time to get all these elaborate checks in. So if you do end up going super fast, then all of a sudden, maybe we can simplify it. So I think they can help curve that little bit of a learning curve that he's gonna that he's gonna face. Um, but man, when you turn on the tape, he's a kid that. I would not be surprised if, you know, we're talking in December or January of whenever he decides to declare, um, and we're talking about a kid who can, you know, battle his way up into those early rounds. Wow. Great stuff. Tim Jenkins, quarterback trainer, film analyst, joins us here on Sharp Money. I know in the past you wrote about Trevor Lawrence, and obviously an awkward year one, progression in year two. Tim, where are you entering year three on Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the, the awkward year one is always tough to evaluate, right, with the rookies. But, man, I think he made a lot of strides last year. And what I, what I have a hard time believing is that he's going to regress when all of a sudden, you know, you see these training camp videos of Calvin Ridley, right? Like, I think Calvin, you know, uh, you know he probably listened to your show a little bit too much. Right, got carried away, started making some money gambling. <laughs> With that being said, I mean, it, it does not look like he was just hanging out on his break. I mean, some of these videos coming out of the Jaguars training camp, the dude is getting in out of cuts. I, I just find it, I, I find it really hard to believe that in the second year of an offense, and with a guy like that joining him, he takes a step back. So Trevor Lawrence is the guy that I do think you know, we could be looking at middle of the season really exploding onto the scene. I mean, I think, like, Florida football in general is pretty exciting in the NFL. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know about you guys. I'm excited to see what Tua does, right? Is he going to get better in that offense? Are they going to take a step back as, you know, now people have a year of tape on them? So, to me, it's like, I think, you know, the, I, I think between the Jags and the Dolphins, I think there's some really exciting uh, quarterback play is going to be coming out of there, and it's good storylines. But I do think Trevor's a guy who's going to who's going to make a huge jump in now year three for him, but in really you know in reality year two of that offense. Tim, we've got some conflicting information in terms of how people evaluate Justin Fields. Some people think he's got tremendous upside. Some think he's just not going to be that good. Where do you come out on him now with the improvements in the offensive line and the receiver room? Man, I you know I'm biased, right? So we we trained the PJ Walker kid who was in Carolina. So I, I watched a lot of Carolina stuff last year, and I, and I got to tell you, I don't know if there's a, a, a receiver who makes a bigger difference in a 50-50 ball situation than D.J. Moore. And I don't even mean it in, like, the jump balls. I mean it in those, hey, you throw a dagger route and he uses his body to defend, you know, to defend your throw, right, where he gets in between the safety driving down and your ball and he's willing to get, you know, blasted in the back for you, right? Like, he's a dog. Like, D.J. Moore is a player. So you give a kid, you know, you give a young quarterback a guy who on third and six, you know, when they're in this exotic coverage, and I can't tell, 
who the, you know, as simple as I can't tell who the mic is, right? Because all these guys are walking around. I'm not sure what covers they're going to give me, but guess what? I got DJ Moore backside. Like, I could be effective still, you know, and I barely got enough of a, you know, water cannon to survive and, and turkey bowl. So I, I think DJ is going to be a big deal for Justin. And what I'll say is, I, I, you know, to me, I'm one of those guys who I think Justin Fields can be a really good NFL quarterback. What I'll tell you is he's never going to satisfy the guys, you know, who loved watching Tom Brady, right? It ain't going to be his game. But when you look at what Jalen Hurts did last year in Philly, and to think that that's not a recipe to win in the NFL, to me, I think it's foolish. I think we're at a a different time where, you know, if my quarterback's a big enough run threat, a big enough, you know, where I can be big and strong and athletic and protect myself over the the course of the season, I think Fields is one of those guys who can – he can be successful in the NFL. It's not going to be as a pure – you know, pocket guy. Um, but, it, you know, if they build that system around his gift, I, I really do think the Bears can be successful this year. And I really think DJ Moore is going to be a big reason why they elevate. Tim, I just have one minute left, and you may not have broke him down. Do you have thoughts on Sam Howell in a minute here? Yeah, I mean, I one, I like him because I think when he was coming out of North Carolina – when you watch his tape, it wasn't necessarily a thing of beauty, but the dude competed his tail off, and, and I'm pretty sure he just showed up as the same guy in the NFL, right? Like, you're never going to turn on his tape and be like, man, this most beautiful game a quarterback ever played. But when you watch him go and get gritty on third and six and get blasted and then pop up, you see why his teammates want to play for him. So I think Sam's an exciting one to watch. I'm not sure he's going to take a jump like some of these other guys we talked about. Um but I do think he'll survive the whole year as the quarterback there, and I think they'll they'll get on the right path. Great job, Tim. Always great talking to you. Quarterback trainer, film analyst, at T. Jenkins Elite on Twitter. His YouTube page is awesome. Make sure you check it out, all things QB, and also Jenkins Elite all over the country. Tim, good luck putting the house together, and good luck talking about Russell Wilson the rest of the way. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Good, good, job. good booking, big guy. He is. I remember him from the radio days. I, it, it's a reminder of how good he is, uh, because he didn't know any of the quarterbacks that Amal and I were going to ask him about, and he was just boom, 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 right there. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks with a lot of expectations, Amal Shaw, I, I think you and I are on the same page on this next team. Will North Carolina improve on a nine-win season last year with Drake May? Very intriguing team. We're back. Sharp money. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Check out the betting splits, the best in the business over at vsin.com. Money and bets for every game. Updated every 10 minutes, today's games and future events as well. The betting splits exclusively over at vcin.com. Make sure you check them out. Sharp Money, I'm Patrick Maher, Dustin Sweetelson, of course, Amal Shaw. I, look, I, you can't, this business, you should never sit on a fence. So I'll say this. I've got two partners. I'll leave it up to you two to convince me either way on North Carolina. Okay, let's go to the ACC and Mac Brown. Uh, eight is the total as far as season wins, regular season, 10 to one in conference, nine and five last year. Remember, this is a team that collapsed them all. They started nine and one. Yeah. They lost four straight. This is also a team that lost at home to Georgia Tech. So it's hard to get a read on them. I will say this. This is year five of Mac Brown, the second iteration. And, you know, back-to-back nine wins, this is not, North Carolina is not a prolific program. So what Mac has done is, is very impressive. Everything starts and ends with Drake May. Great dual threat, 38 touch, touchdown passes last year. He's got great receivers coming back. He's got a couple of transfers. The offensive line, maybe May got hit a little bit too much. It's a little dicey. Defensively, Gene Chizik is running the defense. Enough said. We should just wrap up the show. Uh, and it was a pretty awful defense. Dead last in the ACC in scoring defense. No pressure created, which killed the back end. And again, it, you know, the front seven is going to be experienced coming back for North Carolina. But the questions about the defense. And also, I'll just point to the schedule. You know, South Carolina, which is a team with Spencer Rattler, we're going to discuss coming up in just a little bit. You know, that opening matchup with North Carolina and South Carolina in Charlotte could decide, and I know I'm being melodramatic, but that's the season for both teams. You win it, you jump off, and you just roll. You lose it, it's a killer. Well, you kind of took my thunder because that's exactly what I was going to say. That game is so crucial to both teams to get off to a fast start. I think that is a momentum builder and a season kind of defining victory. If you get that out of the gate strong, you mentioned Carolina struggled down the stretch. They lose uh, three games by a combined eight points uh, in for their in their last four games. This team got off to a fast start at nine and one and then really kind of limped to the finish line. But you mentioned a couple of the transfers coming in here. I think it'll help out. Tez Walker, a kid out of Kent State, really good. He should be effective for Drake May. And then, of course, Nate McCullum comes in from Georgia Tech as well. And one other thing I want to point out, guys, normally we wouldn't talk about this. Ryan Coe is a field goal specialist, comes in from Cincinnati. He was 19 for 23 last year, 44 for 44 in extra points, but he missed two kicks in week one at Arkansas. Patrick, the rest of the way, he ends up going 18 for 20. That's a great addition when you need a field goal kicker late down the stretch who's got experience. That should help this team quite a bit. But you pointed it out. Defensively, they've got to get better. Dead last, over 30 points per game in the ACC. They gave up, I think, 56 touchdowns last year. We talked about Oregon State. They give up 31 touchdowns in a league that's got uh, Washington, Oregon, USC. This team has got to get better outside of Clemson and Florida State. There aren't a lot of offenses that scare you. And for this team to be as poor as they've been defensively, unless they step up, it'll be a lot of pressure on Drake May and the offense. And again, it's just not it's North Carolina because of the basketball lore. I mean, but if you really dig through the history of North Carolina outside of Lawrence Taylor, right, boys, there's really I mean, this is not a program has done anything football wise, big picture. Go ahead. Amal. No, I was going to say second best player ever out of Carolina would be Julius peppers. Good one. Absolutely. And well, what about Mitchell Trubisky? I thought you might have put him to who couldn't beat out a chubby quarterback for like <laughs> two straight years. Anyway, it's I Amal Shaw, not Ryan pace. 
<laughs> I digress. <laughs> I, I eight eight's an interesting number because to be honest with you, when I went to DraftKings this morning, I did expect to see eight and a half on it. So maybe eight is a pure number here. Big guy, I can be, I think a mall's with me, not necessarily as high as others, because sometimes we just take a look at the quarterback and assume that's going to make the difference for the rest of the team. North Carolina, Dustin. I mean, just coming for my guy, Gene Chizik, like this, just absolutely decimating him. But here's the deal. The defense can't be worse than it was last year. Like, it's the one positive that it has going. It can't rank worse than it did because it was at the bottom of just about every category here. So they should be somewhat improved there. And look, if your defense is going to stink, you better have a dude at quarterback that can march you down the field every single time he has the ball in his hands. And that's what they have in Drake May. I love the offense. I think the defense will improve just because it has to. And they, they brought in some transfers, especially in the secondary. The key here is for me, guys, I have one major concern. Mac Brown brings in two new coaches to help Drake May. And I don't think the thought process is to help Drake May have a great final season with the Tar Heels. I don't think it's to become a Heisman contender. I think it's simply to get him ready for the pros. Like I think Mac Brown's a good dude and he's looking at his quarterback and realizes there's some things to tweak for him to get drafted. And he's trying to help him work on that. Brings in Chip Lindsay, the former Troy uh, head coach, offensive genius brings in Freddie kitchens because he has NFL experience. <laughs> Say what you want about kitchens as a, uh, as a head coach in the NFL. He was horrible. I get that, but there's a reason Baker Mayfield was drawn to the guy when he was his coordinator and his quarterbacks coach, he knows something about offense in the position. So I'm a little concerned. They're too obsessed with tweaking Drake may who was an absolute Good stud one. a year ago, 4,300 pass yards. He had 45 total touchdowns, just seven interceptions, almost 700 rush yards. I don't want to tinker with this guy too much, and that has me concerned. I love the breakdown you gave about Drake May in terms of what they're potentially looking to do. That, that's a great point there. This team, though, the problem, guys, is they're going to have to be too reliant on this offense. You know, I thought at this point in time, Mac Brown, I got to tell you, of all the players and coaches I've ever covered, Mac Brown is in my all-time top three. This guy great is guy. just a great guy. How great old do you think he is? 72. He is Nailed 71, it. and Nick Saban is 71. Okay. They're the same age. So, and, and I thought he would be able to bring in the way he, I mean, I'm going to tell you, when Mac Brown recruited at Texas, he comes in that living room, he's closing. He, he was He's so great in terms of how he relates to people. But this team, you guys talked about it with Gene Chizik. Defensively, I believe they have eight starters back. I don't know if I want these guys back. These guys couldn't tackle anybody. If you watch some of the Carolina games, they couldn't tackle guys in flag football. Uh, they've got to get better. They've got to get some stops. And if they can get some consistency in the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned it, Patrick. Drake May is a legitimate dual threat. And his ability with this offense they're going to be dangerous, but again, it's going to come down again. They get stops. I'm not high on this team. They're middle of the pack, slightly towards the upper quarter of the ACC, but they're not going to push Florida State or Clemson, in my opinion. And I know we're talking futures here with them, but we can also think about a week-by-week -week situation with them at this point. They're a team you're going to bet the over on a lot. High-powered offense, bad defense. There could be scenarios late in games where they're going shot for shot with a prayer to win it. Same with South Carolina, who we'll get to. Uh, just as an aside, I wrote down overs in all caps with South Carolina this year. Um, big guy, I think the old man phrase you were looking for and cliche when talking about, which is a great breakdown. I didn't realize that with the assistance and Drake May. I think the old man cliche you were looking for, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I think, let him do his thing. It's like, you don't have to tune up your Ferrari. Just let it be a Ferrari. I don't know if that makes let sense. Russ I'm, not, cook? I'm not a car guy, so I don't know if that may, maybe you do have to tune up a Ferrari more. I don't actually know anything about cars. I drive a Kia. By the way, real quick, guys, and we're <laughs> going to get to South Carolina. The opening weekend number is two and a half in favor of Carolina against uh, Which North Carolina. <laughs> my, my mistake. My mistake. North Carolina and 62 and a half. What did you say, Dustin? I didn't he, hear it. He said it's favored for Carolina, but they're both Carolina. It's North yeah, and well, South Carolina. Yeah. But and North. Yeah. It is um, Charlotte, and both teams will travel. For those that know, don't know, you can get from Columbia to Charlotte. It's not that – it's not a crazy drive either. So yeah. I think it'll pretty much be half and half. Just a monster game to start. It's so it's so interesting as we dig through these uh, these team previews. 
how some just have such a soft launch them all. Yeah. And then some teams just out the jump season could be over. It's really fascinating with the scheduling. I don't think you're overstating it when you say both of these teams seasons could go sideways to the losing side. And I think the other team could really be catapulted into a great season. You mentioned, I don't know how far Columbia is, as you alluded to, to Charlotte, but uh, Chapel Hill, two and a half hours. You're right there. People should be able to come in. It's Labor Day weekend. And you've got to look. Neither guy's winning the Heisman Trophy. Don't bet him to win the Heisman. But both of these guys are ones that you're going to see their name potentially called in the first round of the NFL draft. Drake may for sure, barring injury. And then Spencer Rattler could play himself into that situation as well. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Guys, we should have great weather. Check the weather forecast as you get closer. But that's 62 and a half, in my opinion, if you're going to play the overs you both alluded to, it's going to get over 63. You think either of these teams are getting held below 30 points in this one? No, no, no. Are you guys? cool I saw a comp with Drake May a slightly shorter Justin Herbert Ooh, does he uh, have that arm I yeah I don't know if I'm ready to sign off on that I think one. he's more athletic he's more of a runner was that Drake May's dad <laughs> what's crazy about Herbert I think Herbert's like a legit 6'6 if he, you could like, buy stock in him I would he I, I would totally agree with you outside of Burrow and Mahomes, yeah. well, but I, I would, I'm right there with you on Herbert. He's awesome. We're, we're also all in agreement on Wisconsin. Colton Bartholomew covers the Badgers. He's next. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. I'll tell you what, the kids in Madison should start to get nervous the way we've been talking about this Wisconsin team this year. I mean, we love them. The sharp money is we welcome you back. Amal Shaw, of course, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. We love them, but somebody that covers them day in and day out. Colton Bartholomew joins us now. Badgers Extra, Wisconsin State Journal beat writer. Hi, hi, Colton, and thank you very much for joining us. Why don't we start here? Before we get into the team this year, let's talk about the transition. Was it time to move on from Chris and now we transition to fickle. Let's talk about the hiring of Luke fickle. Yeah. You know, it's tough to say it wasn't time because of how things were going. Win loss wise. The last three years have been uh, the lowest winning percentage three years since 2001, 2003 for this program. So things are starting to trend down a little bit. You would think a guy like Paul Chris, who has the history he does here at Wisconsin, may have gotten that one last year to maybe put things together, but they pulled the ripcord in the middle of last season after they lost those two pretty embarrassing back-to-back games against Ohio State and Illinois. So I think you go through the end of last season, and you have Jim Leonard here, program legend, wants to be the head coach, and then you find out through your vetting process that Luke Fickle is interested as well. It became a situation where how do you not hire a guy like Luke Fickle with his resume, what he did at Cincinnati. So Chris McIntosh, athletic director here at Wisconsin, made that move. And it's been pretty high energy, kind of smooth sailing here throughout the offseason. Now, obviously, it's the real test of the season and training camp and everything like that. So everything they've done recruiting-wise, kind of reshaping this roster through the transfer portal, now it all gets to kind of be put on display when we get to the season. So it's a pretty exciting time here in Madison. Colin, I love what you said there because, guys, I thought it was a great move by the Wisconsin Athletic Department to make a change. Paul Chris had already won 72% of his games, which is an impressive number. But this program expects to be there competing with Michigan and Ohio State, and this move could potentially lead to that. When you look at this team, Colton, from an offensive standpoint, I love the addition of Tanner Mordecai. Tell me how you see fitting in, him fitting in with the best running back in college football and Braylon Allen and what this offensive line can do. Well, I'll tell you, everyone would love to hear you call him the best running back in college football because here in the Big Ten country, it's Blake Corum, it's everybody else down in the networks. Everybody seems to forget that he's there. But in, in terms of the Mordecai edition, it's a huge thing. I mean, you, you pair a guy like Mordecai who has had experience and had success at the college level with this running game and this style of offense, you know, Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator, runs the air raid, but it's not really, it's not Mike Leach air raid. It's not throwing the ball every single play and running only when you have to. It's really balanced. And you've already seen in practices here at Wisconsin, like Braylon Allen's not running into eight, nine man boxes. It's going to be a lot different from what Wisconsin fans have seen from this running game and from Allen and in general. So I think it's a huge thing to have Tanner Mordecai be that trigger man as the quarterback that 
if your defense is going to sell out against Allen, they've got to make him pay. And I feel like they finally got the guy that can do that in a system that's going to give the quarterback more options play to play than, you know, what they've had in the last few years. So big differences there and a big addition in Mordecai. And really, as long as he stays healthy and can at least challenge the defense at the deeper levels, I think this opens up a whole lot of options for this offense. Colton, you don't know this. I went to school at Ohio State. Patrick's from the state of Michigan. Trust me, we're well-versed with the running backs, and I love Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams. I think the world of Blake Corum. But, Patrick, I've said it before. I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to die on this hill. Allen is the best running back in college football until proven otherwise for me. I don't disagree, and Allen Colton was so young when he got to campus, right? Can you tell us a little bit about the kid? Yeah, so he was a, originally going to be a 2022 class uh, recruit and it was a big deal for him, a Fond du Lac native, a smaller town here in Wisconsin, uh, to commit to Wisconsin. And there was a lot of discussion of what is he, what is he going to play? Was he going to be a safety, a running back, a linebacker? Most of his other college recruiting offers were on the defensive side. He has this incredible, I mean, it ended up being his senior year, but uh, what was his third year in high school playing running back in a weird COVID season where they played in the spring? He gets going into that, and he says, you know what? I'm done with high school. I'm 17. I want to finish. Finishes high school through the summer, comes to Wisconsin as a 17-year-old, and then four games into the year, basically becomes a starting running back. Ches Maluzzi started the games, but he really finished them and got most of the carries as the season wore on. So pretty amazing story out of him. And, you know, he's had this he's, – he's one of the more driven athletes I've ever covered, and one of the guys that's really not afraid to put himself out there in terms of what his goals are and how he feels about how he can get to places – and he said from the beginning, I want to be here in college for three years and get to the NFL. And he's maintained that throughout the summer and here in the fall. So I think we're going to see the last fall here in Madison of Braylon Allen. But, you know, hopefully it leads to something good for him because he's a kid that's put everything whole heart and soul into getting to where he wants to go. Tremendous. Wisconsin, Colton Bartholomew. He's on the beat. Badgers Extra, Wisconsin State Journal. Tell me about the defense. I, I think Fickle hit the transfer portal pretty hard here. Can you kind of clarify what's going on with the defense there in Madison? Yeah, they, they got a few cornerbacks out of the transfer portal here in the summer, especially because I think when they got through spring practices, they weren't exactly happy with what they had past that first line. Uh, the number one guy that you were going to talk about in terms of transfers on defense is Jason Miatri, a guy out of Boston College that's going to really solidify their nickel cornerback position, which is going to be huge in the Big Ten this year because you talk about what Ohio State's been doing with their top receivers. I mean, I know Marvin Harrison's mostly going to be on the outside, but uh, Ingbuka and other guys are going to be in that slot position that are going to need uh, an experienced cornerback to be able to cover them. So Mitri is going to be able to hold that down. Uh, most of the transfers came on the offensive side, but they really deepened that cornerback room with some other guys. Nizier Forquin, he's a defend, uh, a Division II All-American from Grand Valley State that transferred to Wisconsin this summer. And then uh, Michael Mack was a uh, cornerback at Air Force that came over the summer as well. So both those guys are going to be in the rotation and really help out a pretty thin cornerback unit that came into camp. And hopefully those guys can deepen it up a little bit and be at least too deep once you get to the season. So defensively, though, the biggest change to me is what Mike Tressel does versus what Jim Leonard's done, because Jim Leonard's defense basically carried this program the last three years and was the reason they were still winning games despite an offense that just could not get out of its own way at times. So the big difference that I've seen is that what Mike Tressel likes to do is confuse offenses before the play with different formations, lining up guys in different spots. Jim Leonard was, here's the same look 15 times in a row. I'm going to do 15 different things. So it's really interesting to watch these guys on Wisconsin's defense learn how to play from different spots on the field as opposed to just doing different techniques post-snap. So it's a different adjustment in some interesting things are going to come out of it, but I think a guy that nationally doesn't quite have the name recognition yet that people should know is Hunter Wohler, a safety. He's going to be all over the field and put in a lot of positions to make some big plays because athletically he's got everything you want and just football IQ wise, he's everything that you want from a safety. So look out for Hunter Wohler here in Madison this year. Colton, explain to me what happened with Jim Leonard. I thought Jim Leonard potentially might've been the next head coach at Wisconsin. Now he's just on he's an analyst at Illinois. I mean, to me, he's kind of like the Eric Bieniemy of college football. I thought for sure he was a guy that was going to have a head coaching job by now. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised that he didn't maybe attack some more opportunities at the college level uh, after Wisconsin kind of passed him over. The biggest thing to me, I think, was that Wisconsin probably would have been happy if 
Jim Leonard was their best option. I think just when they go through the vetting process and they were looking at candidates nationwide, they find out Luke Fickle would be interested if the job was offered to him, and they got to go through that due process and, and make sure that they get that interview done. And I think once McIntosh and Fickle talked and uh, kind of figured out how aligned they were on a lot of things of, you know, how a program should be run, not just the on-field product, I think it really solidified that Fickle was going to be his choice. And then there, there was an offer from the Fickle staff to have Jim Leonard on Wisconsin staff this year. Uh, I believe the title was going to be uh, defensive coordinator, but kind of a weird, you don't have quite as much power as you did as under Paul Chris before that. So I think Leonard saw that and said, not going to be the best fit for me. He looked at uh, a couple NFL opportunities. I know he was in talks with the Eagles for a short time there. Um, and then one of the biggest factors and the reason I think he's an analyst right now, as opposed to a coordinator or a head coach somewhere is that part of his extension or his, um, agreement for leaving Wisconsin was if he becomes a coordinator or a head coach somewhere else, he's got to pay back a certain amount of money. If he doesn't, he gets to keep a million dollars. So I think there was a little bit of, I'm going to make sure I get mine in this situation. And then when I do get back into coaching, it's the right spot. And I think it's a good spot for him in terms of he can kind of be that boogeyman around college football. Any coach that's got a kind of a shaky platform right now or not going to have the season that they want to have Jim Leonard's there and it's going to be an attractive offer for really any AD that needs a coach that's already proven that he's one of the best tacticians in college football. Well, the hype is real in Madison and Colton, you've done nothing to dispel it. 30 seconds left. If Wisconsin isn't in the big 10 championship game, it's a failure this year. Yes or no. I think that's a fair expectation just because of the schedule. Obviously the Ohio state crossover game is really tough. I don't expect them to be able to beat Ohio state yet, but you look at the other ones, it's Indiana and Rutgers coming to Madison. So you should be able to win those games. And then I'm still of the mind that the West is going to be a little bit down, uh, even from last season, just because of some of the changes that have happened elsewhere uh, in the Big Ten West. So I think Wisconsin should be there. And if they're not, it's going to be depth. It's just going to be some injuries that they can't overcome. And the fickle needs another offseason of recruiting to fix. We will talk to you during the season. Colton Bartholomew, thank you. Badgers Extra, Wisconsin State Journal, at CBARTWSJ. Thanks, Colton. Appreciate you. Good season ahead. Okay, when we come back, we're going to South Kakalaki. What's up with my Gamecocks? There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Become a VSIN pro. And you can do it for $19, as low as 19 bucks. Check it out for a month, and if you like it, stick around. If you don't, you know, trust me. Once you pay the 19 bucks, you're going to be in. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. College football betting guide, NFL betting guide, daily best bets, 24-7 video stream. As a matter of fact, Samich sent over three picks. Those are part of the picks as well. Dustin Amal's got their picks up there too. Betting splits, part of the package now as well. It's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Make sure you check it out. Okay, we got you back here. Sharp Money, Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. Scott Spritzer, professional handicapper, joining us, fellas, in right around 14 minutes. Four teams today. We're having fun. Oregon State, we just went through. North Carolina, we just plowed through. It's time for South Carolina, the Gamecocks. And I'll say this. Shane Beamer is heading into his third season. And, Dustin, you'll remember, I knew he got it. When he joined our little radio show late at night, when he first got on the job from the office that Steve Spurrier and Lou Holtz used to occupy and Shane Beamer just came on and he just seemed like a normal dude. He was really cool. Gave us, gave us as much time as we wanted and just seemed like a nice person from all I understand. And I went to school there. The players love him. And when I say love, like absolutely obsessed with him, you can see the social clips they post South Carolina. And that's important now to flex on the gram as a program to get clever. You see at Ole Miss Lane Kiffin asking Hasbula to come to the sip or whatever the hell he's doing. Like it matters to make a difference on social and Shane Beamer's done that. Okay. Eight and five last year, four and four in the sec, but I'm all, you mentioned it during the break. What was special about South Carolina's year last year? One, they ruined Tennessee's playoff hopes. And then two, they ruined Clemson's playoff hopes to pretend like Clemson and South Carolina isn't on the level of the iron bowl or Michigan, Ohio state means you've just never been to the state of South Carolina within that state. It matters more than anything. I assure you the win off Clemson is a springboard. We talked about this year and starting the season in Charlotte against North Carolina. I think that game is a springboard for both programs. So it's kind of very interesting that we're talking North Carolina into South Carolina, Drake may North Carolina, Spencer Rattler, South Carolina, the team, the city and the university was shocked that Rattler returned. NFL arm legit going to be a second, third rounder. As you mentioned it, Amal Shaw, if he stays healthy, a legit quarterback. Okay. He's got to cut down on the interceptions. He's got to be more consistent. We'll get to Spencer Rattler. Let me put a pin in him. Let's back up and talk about South Carolina as a program. It stinks. That's it. Now, six is the total as far as the regular season wins. They're 90 to one in conference. Forget about those numbers for a second. And let me give you a few numbers from 2011, 2012, and 2013. Steve Spurrier was the head coach. In 2011, the South Carolina Gamecocks went 11 and two and beat Nebraska in the bowl game and finished ninth in the AP the following year, South Carolina went 11 and two. They beat Wisconsin in the bowl game and finished eighth in the AP. And in 2013, South Carolina led by Steve Spurrier went 11 and two beat Michigan in the bowl game and finished fourth in the AP. There should be books written about that three year span. South Carolina was nothing before he got there. They've been nothing since he left. Hello, Will Muschamp. I'll give you an idea. When I got to South Carolina and Columbia, Lou Holtz arrived. Everybody was wearing got Lou t-shirts. Remember the got milk t-shirts. Lou Holtz was coming in to change the fortunes in Columbia. Got Lou got no wins. He went to and 11 his first year started to turn it around. Spurrier took over and absolutely recruited his ass off, called an offense and South Carolina, 11 and two, 11 and two, 11 and two top 10 AP for three straight years. That is outrageous. 
on to this year. Rattler's a fifth-year starter. He's going to be very, very good. The big guy, Dustin Sweetelson, who frankly is an idiot, was clowning Rattler during the break. Little does he know that my man was running around like a chicken with his head cut off last year because the offensive line was about as bad as any offensive line in the country. And here's the issue. Here's the rub. I don't think it's going to be any better this year. Antoine Wells is legit. The wide receiver. He's a stud. Caught 20 passes combined against Clemson and Tennessee. Trey Knox, the tight end that transfers in from Arkansas, is a pro. The offense is very, very good. Marshawn Lloyd is now the running back at USC. That stinks. However, Juju McDowell is legit and they've got a cast of running backs that will support him. Okay. The offensive line is the huge question. Defensively, they've got a bunch of vets. I'm going to be straight up with you as a South Carolina alum. They've got vets. They're just not very talented. I don't love them. They allowed 200 yards or more seven times on the ground last year. The secondary was killed because they couldn't get pressure up front. Again, eight and five, they overshot the expectations and overshot what I think was a talented, but not very talented team at eight wins, beating Tennessee and dropping 63 on them was freaking insane. And the beating Clemson and dropping 40 plus on them was also insane. Consistency is going to be the key for Beamer in year three. They've got to cut down on turnovers, momentum. Momentum is a word and it's very nebulous. Do you agree? Do you believe? Yes, no. Well, if there's momentum coming in for the South Carolina Gamecocks, I would say it's beating Tennessee and Clemson, Amal Shaw. There's no question about it. I thought those were the two best back to back wins by anybody in college football. I don't know if they're going to be able to duplicate that this year. You mentioned it defensively. They give up almost 200 yards per game on the ground at 198. If you can't stop the run in this league, you're going to be in serious trouble. You mentioned the perimeter. Antoine Wells, they bring in Eddie Lewis to transfer in from Memphis. He was second-team All-American Conference. He's got a chance to be a good uh, compliment to Wells. And Nick Harbour, the kid out of the D.C. area, 6'5", big-time recruit. This was a big get for Beamer. I think he should help this offense. But, again, it comes down to the O-line and the defensive line guys. If they're not yep. intact on that side of the ball and the season win total, Patrick, you said is at six. Yes. Yes, sir. I'm going to tell you, I hate to tell you this buddy under they're it's not a six win team. I agree. It's a six win team. If everything goes properly, look, they're a two and a half point dog against North Carolina. I, I don't know where you guys come out. I I'm still going to give South Carolina the edge in that game against UNC, because I actually think North Carolina's defense is actually worse than South Carolina's, which is hard to believe. I'll say this. And just as an apology to start the conversation with the big guy, I agree with everything. Amal, you said about my Gamecocks somewhere in that conversation about South Carolina, I called you an idiot. So I just want to apologize. I was still stinging from a comment you made during the break about Rattler. Maybe you can relay the message. And again, idiot's a bad word. I used to say bad things. I'm a 45-year-old man. I just can't be calling my coworker and one of my good friends an idiot out of nowhere. But frankly, the comment you made was idiotic. Would you care to defend yourself? I Look, we're, we're, we've all been on the Spencer Rattler hype train, it feels like, for more than half a decade. Like, we've been talking about how special his talent is. And I just think for, for all the talk I've heard in since the season ended about – him coming back and the expectations for him and his talent. It's just like, I thought the numbers last year were going to look better. That's all. Like, <laughs> like he was fine. He was a solid quarterback, 18 touchdowns, 12 pickles, like three rushing TDs. He's athletic. I, I like his arm. I like his NFL talent. He's definitely a development guy. Like he's not walking in day one and starting in the NFL, but we've been talking about this guy for a very long time. And like, if we're in a results business, the results just aren't matching how we speak about him is all. I, I would agree with you Fair. there, but I think the success against Tennessee and against Clemson and Patrick, you brought up a great point. I think people overlook, you may not be from the Palmetto state and you may not appreciate the rivalry in so many of these places, Arizona, Arizona state, Texas, Texas, A&M. If you're not from that part of the country, you don't have an appreciation for how good these rivals are. That could really propel this team. I love Beamer's personality, what he brings to the table. They've gotten some recruits from players that you thought were going to go elsewhere. Um, but the lines. And we know in the SEC, you better be able to dominate the line of scrimmage. And these guys are bottom feeders in this league when it comes to the lines of scrimmage. That's fair. I mean, everything you both say is fair. Hey, Dustin's right. The statistics aren't gaudy. 
but if you watch South Carolina, all kidding aside, he, dude, he was just, he was running around like crazy. He was just making something happen. And I'll say this South Carolina football fellas has been around for 115 years. Last year was the 15th of eight wins or more. Wow. And look, this with the schedule lined up the way it is, this thing could spiral and get out of control really quickly. If you lose to North Carolina, yes. you'll beat Furman, but then you're, you're right. at Georgia. Mississippi State's a wild card. You're in Knoxville. Who knows what we're seeing out of Billy Napier in Florida, but you should expect them to be better. At Missouri and at Texas A&M, back-to-back, Missouri stinks, but Texas A&M has a ton of talent. And then you have Kentucky and Clemson to close it. I think Kentucky will be good. I know they'll be well coached. And then the rivalry game with Clemson, that could decide your win total right there. Real Correction, quick. five win team. I, I was just going to ask you, Dustin, where do you come out? Under. I do Under. too. They're not getting seven wins. I'm being honest. Why aren't we talking more about Spurrier going 11 and 2, 11 and 2, 11 and 2, three straight years and finishing in the top 10 with South Carolina football? What? Shout to Shane Beamer. Dustin, you're not an idiot. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.